You're listening to episode number 33 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by me, your host, Kaylee. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, creativity, entrepreneurship, and of course, self-care. And today's episode is all about self-care as a freelancer and as an entrepreneur. So we're talking mental well-being, financial well-being, and finding balance when you are your own boss. Let's get into the episode. So we're talking about balance today. Being an entrepreneur or a freelancer is such hard work. And if you haven't had this lifestyle, it probably seems like the dream. Don't get me wrong. It's pretty amazing to be able to work from home, work from wherever, kind of set your own hours. But the grass is always greener on the other side. And anyone in the freelance or entrepreneurial startup space can tell you that the freedom you get often comes with certain sacrifices and in some cases you're actually less free than with a regular nine to five because your business is you and you are your business it's not as easy as clocking out at the end of the workday there's a lot of things that tend to be overlooked one there's no financial stability two it's intensely emotionally and mentally challenging Three, there's no benefits like a regular adult job. So no health, dental, insurance, that's all out of pocket. Four, there's almost no consistency. So some months it's up, some months it's down. Five, it can be super lonely, especially in the beginning or if you work from home. Six, there's often no boundaries. So you live and work at home, you work and play on your phone, everything is interconnected. Seven, you have to wear so many hats. So you have to be your own salesperson, your own marketer, your accountant, your admin person, and the CEO. And eight, dealing with clients and getting paid can be such a hassle and a nightmare. And if you've ever worked in customer service, you might know a little bit of what I'm talking about. But essentially, being a freelancer or starting your own business is just all very challenging and it's also super rewarding, but we need to be able to find some sort of balance as freelancers and entrepreneurs. And it's so important to maintain our mental health and practice self-care when there's all of these other things that we're also responsible for. So I have, I guess, like seven different topics that I wanna walk through and talk about in terms of finding that balance and maintaining our mental health and our financial well-being. And at the end of this, I would love to hear what your tips are. If you work as a freelancer, if you run a small business, I'd love to hear what are some of the things that you do to maintain your mental health day to day. So for me, one of the first things is getting around this taboo of talking about money and finances because having money is self-care. Making money is self-care. And maybe this goes kind of against what you thought I might say, but the reality is that taking care of your financial well-being is so important and something that isn't really stressed enough when you're first starting out. A lot of the rhetoric is around following your passion, following your dreams, but not always around how you're gonna make that bank. So first things first, some semblance of financial security is really important. 
And it's so hard to be creative or do your best work if you are stressed out over how you're gonna pay rent every month. A lot of nine to fivers crave the freedom of freelancing, but if you have a job that you like enough to stay or a job that can help you earn the skills or the network to go freelance full time, I would suggest staying and saving your money and transitioning into freelance work more slowly and with more financial confidence. But maybe you're like me and you're already way past that stage and knee deep into the entrepreneurial world. Uh, Honestly, I kind of wish I would have taken the more stable path and some days I still consider taking a more traditional corporate role and then worry about pursuing my passions on the side. Uh, I think there's so much value that you can learn from working with a company and it's a little bit over glorified to jump into your passion full time without having a financial plan around that. Some of the entrepreneurs that I actually look up to so much are people that balance both a full-time job that they love and their business on the side. There's one woman in particular who actually runs this multi-million dollar business. She's doing so well, but she's chosen to stay at her full-time job because she also loves that and she realizes and recognizes that she can do both. And I don't think we hear enough of those stories um, because it tends to be this narrative of all or nothing. And I guess that's something that I've learned along the way, um, having struggled financially when first starting out because I didn't have a part-time job and I was fully relying on my business and on myself to make that money. Um, You don't have to jump ship if you're concerned about making money from the start or if you're already on your journey and you find it too stressful to show up and be your best every day, there's absolutely no shame in getting a part-time or temporary job to help keep the ship afloat. There is such a big stigma in the entrepreneurial world, like once you're in, you can't go back or something weird like that. And I recently had a creative friend who has been working towards building their business, but Things haven't been moving as quickly as she hoped, and she was honestly ashamed to get a part-time job to help have more finances to actually grow her business sustainably. And I told her, like, it's nothing to be ashamed of, but I totally get it because I've had the same feelings in the past too. And I think having more open conversations about what the financial cost and responsibility of actually owning and running a business is, as well as taking care of and paying yourself, is so vital. There should be fewer people that feel embarrassed to actually care for their financial well-being, because like I said, making money is self-care. All right, number two is taking care of your relationships. So whether that be romantic relationships, family relationships, or friendships, it is so easy when you're building your business to put your social life on the back burner. And it's necessary a lot of times. Uh, It's something that I did so much when I was building my first startup out of university. I put all of my time into my business and I would flake on friends or put off plans because I felt guilty about leaving my work and about not working. As a freelancer or entrepreneur, there's likely always something that you could be doing and so it's justifiable to put your work ahead of other things like your relationships. But relationships are something that really foster our mental health 
And those close people in our life, our support systems, we want to keep those ties strong because when things are down, you'll need someone to turn to. And when things are up, you'll want someone to celebrate with. And I think more than that, it's important to be transparent with those close to you about the realities of your work. Stop sugarcoating things. There's often this perception that things are so much better than they actually are. And we like to talk about our successes and our milestones because they're exciting. But not having that open communication, especially with a partner, like a boyfriend or girlfriend, um, or if you're living together, that can be the difference between feeling supported in your work and feeling isolated. So make sure you're prioritizing your relationships as part of your self-care. All right, number three is more money talk. Number three is all about pricing. Uh, Pricing is one of the trickier aspects of freelance work and quote unquote, knowing your worth, whatever that means. I think one of the biggest mistakes that first-time freelancers make is undervaluing their work and stretching themselves way too thin just to get by. Like we've said, financial freedom is self-care and making money is self-care. So how do you price yourself? Um, I think one of my favorite sayings around this is know your worth and then add tax. So first figure out what you want to be making and ask yourself if that's reasonable with your experience and with your skills. So if you wanna be making 80K a year in social media, but you just graduated with no experience in social media, like that in my head is kind of unreasonable, (laughs) not impossible, but unreasonable. So I would look at what others in your niche or what others in your industry are making and ask yourself what you need to do to get paid hourly or monthly to be making that as a freelancer. And if you're lacking certain skills or expertise in an area, what can you be doing to improve your skills and experience so that you can reach that number really reasonably? Then once you've figured out what that number is, don't forget to add tax. (laughs) So whether you wanna be making $25 an hour or $50 an hour or $75 an hour, I suggest adding 20 to 30% on top of that number to get what you need to be charging clients. Now, the fun part is that this number only really matters in the context of what clients are willing to pay you. So if you're working with small businesses, there might be times that you're really squeezing numbers and maybe going slightly lower than your desired rate or working really hard to prove your worth. But if you start working with bigger brands that have larger budgets, sometimes you can actually charge two or three or four times more than your general rate because their budget allows for that and they're expecting to pay more. It's as much of an art as it is a science and as important to know who your clients are and what value you bring them as it is to know what your experience is worth. Now, I always think the ideal scenario is a monthly retainer where clients are essentially prepaying to reserve your time every month for that work. So if you have a client that you estimate will take 20 hours of time every month and you want to be charging them $50 an hour, I would propose a retainer of $1,000 a month. I love retainers because one, it helps you predict cash flow. Two, you don't have to worry about chasing clients to pay after you've already done the work. 
And three, it's a benefit to the client because they know that they have you on reserve for that time or project monthly, and they don't have to worry about losing you to another client that might come along mid-month and take up your time. The gig economy can be tough when you're always on the lookout for the next thing to pay rent, and it's easy to fall into a slump if you feel like you're always chasing paper and nothing is predictable or sustainable. You also don't want to be saying yes to everything that comes your way because that's a surefire way to start doing work that you don't love at prices and rates that you're probably unhappy with. So if you can secure a couple of clients on a retainer model to help give you that stability and security monthly, it's gonna be financial and mental self-care for you. Number four is about creating daily consistency or some sort of routine. Now, I'm not someone who meal plans on Sundays or has any intense organizational routine, but creating some sort of consistency is important for me to get into the right headspace for work. There needs to be some sort of self-discipline and structure if you're going to be freelancing or building a sustainable business long-term, but that structure has to be something that works for you. And sometimes routine means routinely breaking down that structure and rebuilding it to find what works. So for me, I like to keep things pretty chill. I don't stick to specific times of doing things, but I do have the same structure of how I work every day. So I start my days by waking up without an alarm every day. I leave my curtains wide open so that I can wake up with or before the sun. Then I do a quick face wash and skincare prep and I grab or make coffee before I even get ready for the day. Then I'm jumping straight into work. So I'm usually still in my pajamas, no makeup, nothing done, my hair's not done. I love to just get into things while my mind is a blank slate from a good night's sleep. Then I'll usually work for two to three hours on anything that requires a little bit more brain power or creative energy, energy, and then take a midday break to recharge and refresh. And that's when I'll shower, do my hair, makeup, make lunch, and eat. Then I go back to work, but at this point, I'm usually getting out of the house to switch up the scenery and environment for motivation for the afternoon. So I'll usually walk to a coffee shop, get back in the zone, and work for the rest of the afternoon until 4 or 5. Then when I leave the cafe, I try to fully get out of work mode for clients as much as I can and kind of mentally leave my projects at the cafe. Now, I might have some posting or Instagram work for the evening, but I'll usually have a podcast or a video on at this point. Maybe I'm watching TV or Netflix and doing those little casual emails and social media stuff in the evening. Now, I've found that having that really relaxed structure is what works best for me, but it's all about finding the way that you work best and sticking to that. All right, number five is about managing loneliness. Entrepreneurship can be super isolating, and I've already mentioned the importance of keeping relationships close and being open with those close to you, but what about the day in and day out? Uh, if your partner or your close friends aren't freelancers or aren't in the entrepreneurship world with you. I think digital entrepreneurship particularly 
or any digital freelance work where you're behind a computer all day working from home or out of coffee shops can get lonely. And it's weird because a lot of the work I do is on social media. I'm talking with a lot of influencers through email, so it doesn't always feel as lonely as it actually is. But it's this deceptive sense of community that makes you feel connected when you're plugged in. Being digitally connected though and physically connected are two very different things and I think that distinction really matters. You know, all of my clients are remote and people ask how my work has changed since moving from Montreal to Alberta, but the answer is that it hasn't. I didn't have a single in-person client in Montreal when I was living there. All of my clients are remote and they all tend to be in the US from LA to New York and really all over the place. So the positive in that is that I'm working remotely from anywhere and I can be anywhere. The negative is that it also means I'm almost never meeting people in person or working physically with other people. So instead, I like meeting other freelancers or entrepreneurs and setting up work dates or working out of co-working spaces if you're in a bigger city. Even if you don't have any friends close to you that are full-time freelancers, most people have some sort of side thing like a side hustle or a blog or a passion project that they're working on. So I even like to do work dates around that too with those friends who might not be freelancers but still want to set aside that time to work on those projects in the same kind of environment or setting. And making a conscious decision to go out and work alongside someone else honestly is really important and I've made really great friends that way, most of them originating from Instagram DMs. So whenever I move to a new city, I basically use Instagram as a way to connect with other social media, blogger, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and most people are really receptive to meeting up, especially if you're not trying to pitch them as a client and you're genuinely just looking to expand your network of people. So for example, a month before I moved back to Alberta, I started going through the Calgary location tags on Instagram and following people that just looked cool and interesting and had similar work or similar interests as me. And then I literally just started messaging girls and saying that I was moving and that I would love to meet up for coffee once I moved. And it's really that simple. (laughs) Like making friends as an adult and especially as an adult who works from home can be really hard and awkward because you don't have all of those same social situations where you're forced to meet people, but you might as well use the same social media skills that you're using for your clients to meet new people in your industry or your city. Like, am I right? (laughs) So two of my best girlfriends in Montreal are actually people that I met through Instagram and now they're like some of my best friends. So it's really wild, the connections that you can make online, and especially if you're purposefully trying to grow your network that way, it can be such a great tool to combat loneliness and meet new people. Number six is about setting personal boundaries as self-care. So in the early days for me, this meant turning off virtually all phone notifications, emails, Instagram, calls even at one point, so that I would only purposefully go on apps when needed 
and I wouldn't get distracted throughout the workday and I could spend more time focused on the tasks that I was working on, but also as a way not to bring my work home with me, figuratively speaking, because I'm at home all day anyways, but you guys know what I mean. Um, It was basically a way for me to escape after work and not feel bombarded on my phone with notifications pressuring me to answer immediately or just answer one quick email. It used to stress me out so much to read an email at night on on my phone or to get a really quote-unquote pressing notification that I felt like I needed to give my mental energy to at that time and then I would be laying in my bed thinking about my response all evening or thinking about how I was going to do a certain thing for the next day. It was just something that was kind of not creating any boundaries for me so I removed all those notifications and I did eventually implement some of them back onto my phone particularly Instagram notifications for client accounts because that's something that I kind of do need to be more on top of uh, on the daily but I still didn't realize how many notifications I get in a day and how many separate times I'm going on my phone. So I went in my phone settings, which on Apple phones, you can see how much time you've spent on your phone and you can see which apps you're spending that time on. Guys, I found out that this past week, I got an average of 150 phone notifications every single day. That's notifications outside of email or Facebook because I still don't have email notifications or Facebook notifications on my phone. But 150, like every single day, that's madness. So setting boundaries on my phone and computer in that way is so important to me. Otherwise, I don't think I would ever stop working or be able to relax from work. Other than totally removing notifications though, There's other ways that you can set those boundaries and become really conscious of where you're spending your time is one start. So at the beginning of 2018, I started tracking all of my work time online, not just for clients, but whenever I work on personal projects like my podcast or my blog, I'm tracking that time. And it was pretty interesting insight into where I could be creating more structure in my life and what I needed to focus on more, but also where I need to set more boundaries. So being hyper aware like that has been super useful for me. And as a side note, I use a tool called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. This is not sponsored obviously, but that's what I use to track all of my time for clients, for projects, for personal stuff, everything. And I find it useful not only in a balance context, but also for billing clients literally by the minute and having weekly breakdowns and reporting of where all of that time is being spent. So similarly to pricing, I started budgeting and forecasting my time and not just my money. So now the last tip on separating work from personal and creating more of those boundaries is by really having specific self-care things as personal hobbies and not work projects. So for example, when I started this podcast, I was really adamant about keeping it as a passion project and not turning it into a business in itself, 
which would be really easy and lucrative to do, but I really wanted this podcast to be my own self-care. So I've been really lax with myself on this. If I don't upload an episode at precisely the right time, or if I miss a week, or you know something small like that happens, it's not the end of the world, and it's not another source of stress for me, because this is still a hobby that I'm pouring myself into passionately, and I don't want to lose that passion by attaching an expectation of ROI to it. That said, I recently brought on an assistant who is handling more of the business side of the podcast because it's not something that I want to do. And I think it's important to be self-aware and set boundaries with yourself that include things for pure joy and art and creativity and health. So in a lot of ways, you can combine your hobbies and passions into your business, but I also kind of think there's some BS to the saying, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, because work is still work. And having experienced combining the two in the past, burning out, and then losing that same feeling of fulfillment from it, I personally think it's important to keep some sort of hobby aside from your work for your own self-care. All right, number seven is about managing your mental health by separating your personal identity from your business and from your work identity. So as a freelancer or an entrepreneur or small business owner, you and your personal identity can very much be intertwined with your business and intertwined with the success of it. Your personal brand in some cases might be your actual business or you as a founder might be the face of your business and that can put a lot of pressure on you as an individual to keep up with everything. So I think one way to not be consumed by this is by working to disconnect your personal self from your professional self and removing your personal identity and the worth in yourself from the identity and worth of your business, even if your personal brand is your business or is a big part of it. Now that's not to say that you should become disinterested in your work, uninvested, or that you should remove yourself completely from your business. It's not to say that you should not be your own personal brand or your best salesperson, but it's to say that you need to work on not letting your work and business expectations define you as a person and how you feel at the end of every day. You as a person can be an entire brand. For example, if you're a freelancer under your own name, like I am, I am my business. But I don't let my business take over who Kaylee is. So Kaylee owns herself. Kaylee is her own person. The business does not own Kaylee's emotions. <laughs> I am so much more than just my business. I have interests and hobbies and values and am a whole person outside of my business. And this has taken me basically three years to get to this place of keeping the two separate and not letting my business highs or lows impact my personal self-esteem. But beyond mental health management, separating yourself from your business can also help you in your business for two reasons. 
One, you can more easily and objectively see your own weaknesses as a business owner and therefore more confidently bring on team members and delegate without feeling this intense need for ownership and micromanagement. And two, you stop taking things personally when your business experiences a low and you can work more efficiently to actually resolve and solve problems that come up. So if a customer writes a nasty email or you don't get paid on time or you don't land a client that you were so sure you were going to, it's not so much of a devastating blow because you can recognize that it's a business issue and not an issue of self-inadequacy per se, but maybe one of not having adequate systems in place, which as a one-woman show or a tiny team is pretty necessary to grow. I think why separating myself from my business has been particularly important for my self-care is because I realized that I didn't want to be known as a one-dimensional person. And I really felt that with my last startup, um, it was like every single conversation with friends or family was about my business. Everything I wrote online was about my business. It seemed like my identity had been consumed by my business. And I really started to crave that freedom from people's expectations of me and separating my personal identity and personal expectations from my business was a big step in that. So at the end of the day, I want to be happy and fulfilled, not only because of my business success, but also because of successful relationships, because I followed my interests and passions and took time to grow as a person outside of my business. It's against maybe what I would have believed a while ago when I was first starting out and when I was really prioritizing this hustle and being a startup success, but business success just is not the only thing I care about now. And in fact, I would say it's probably closer to the bottom of the list of things that I care about and rearranging my priorities to put people and things that I love outside of work has been one of the best self-care things that I have done for myself. So everyone's different, and this episode is really just a recap of what's worked for me, what's been important for me moving forward in managing my mental health, in learning how to manage my financial well-being as a freelancer and an entrepreneur, and whether this stuff is impactful for you or not, I don't know, but... Thanks so much for letting me into your head for another week. And please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud and follow us at Self Care Sunday on Instagram. Until next week, happy Self Care Sunday, everyone. Mm-hmm.